Broadcasting live high atop the Sunset Strip, deep in the heart of Tinseltown, via the World Wide Web at www.edamrocksradio.com. It's the Edam Rocks Radio Show. Oh, my goodness! And now, your host, Son Edam. And welcome to another episode of what I like to call From Nonsense to God Sense, where we take a look at some of the issues in this world, and we look at them through a biblical perspective, and the topic today, we're going to look, take a look at the prosperity gospel, and with us is Dan Delzell, columnist for the Christian Post, and, and Dan, the uh, prosperity gospel is a, is a theology that we're going to get into that you can help explain, but last time we were together, we were kind of talking about standing before God without fault, and the prosperity gospel thing kind of came up, and, and in recent uh, weeks, months, even years, some of these prosperity preachers have been making some headlines with their airplanes, wanting to purchase airplanes. I know a couple of years ago, Creflo Dollar asked his congregation for a $65 billion plane. I know recently uh, Kenneth Copeland was sought after by Inside Edition, the TV show, to clarify some comments about him needing a private plane because he did not want to travel on a plane with demons, I guess, referring to people. And I've got that comment, too, that we can play maybe here in a bit just to kind of give some some. Uh, some uh, reference or preference so that we're not saying the words that Copeland can say. And then you got some other people that are talking about, you know, giving seeds and sowing seeds of money and then God will reap the blessings. Um, And so it's just kind of something that in doing some research on this, I found that a lot of people, in fact, I think Pew Research or or Lifeway Research did something where like 26% of people uh, say that or believe that to receive material blessings from God, they have to do something for God. 38% 38% of respondents said, my church teaches that if I give more money to the church and charities, God will bless me in return. And 69% of respondents from this Lifeway view on prosperity poll said, God wants me to be prosper, uh, prosperous financially. And so it's really something that's taking over in the uh, Christian world. And so maybe if you can just kind of give us your thoughts first off on the prosperity gospel, and maybe for those that don't understand or know what it is, kind of give us an idea of what it is and just overall just your thoughts to start here. Well, thank you, Son. It's great to be with you, and uh, wow, what, a, uh, what an important topic that you're addressing today, and I'm very um, you know, thankful just to be with you to be able to talk about this. You know, the prosperity gospel is something that has been around now probably for you know, a number of decades, and you know, many people have, have found that you can trace its roots uh, ultimately back to um, Christian science and Mary Baker Eddy, and a lot of, um, you know, kind of meta, metaphysical sort of ideas, and, and they really have latched on to this idea that your words have creative power. Now, you know, Christianity has always taught, and the Bible has always taught, Son, that, that our words are very important. Um, you know, uh, how we speak is very important, and the attitude with which we speak. But, but the prosperity gospel, as it's called, um, goes significantly beyond that uh, to the point where um, they, they really um, encourage people to believe that you can you can create reality with your words, and and more than that, um, what they really are latched onto, Son, is the old covenant under the um, in, in Old Testament times, rather than the new covenant after Christ came. You see, in the Old Testament, God certainly prospered, you know, people like Abraham. God certainly rewarded his people with material uh, prosperity. That was part of the blessing of the Old Testament. Now, you know, what Christian today 
you know, hasn't used the term blessing at times when referring to material uh, things that God gives us. I mean, we, we've all done that. But, but what the prosperity gospel does, Son, is, is it really focuses on something that Jesus warned us against. You know, uh, for example, Jesus said no one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, it's interesting, under the Old Covenant, um, there wasn't a lot of talk uh, like that. Um, The Old Covenant, again, um, tended to give faithful people in God's family um, financial blessing. Jesus comes along, and he really starts to sound... Um, the warning, uh, he, he sounds the warning for, for those who are going to um, desire money, love money, make money their God. Because you see, son, you, you can't, as Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. And the prosperity gospel, while they, you know, the, the leaders of that uh, probably wouldn't acknowledge this, the prosperity gospel, it, it stirs up within people, including, including, you know, Christians, it stirs up within people the, the natural desire we all have to still be getting in on those old covenant blessings of financial prosperity without recognizing, Son, what Scripture, especially in the New Testament, has to say um, about warning people uh, when we start to get into um, the area of finances. For example, in First Timothy 6, we're told people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Now, you really don't hear um, a lot about that in the Old Testament. Um, I mean, you know, you, you, you get hints of it in, in the Old Testament song. You know, for example, in Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, Whoever loves money never has money enough, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Um, so so it, it, it begins to set the, the stage there that money is not going to satisfy um, the God of the Old Covenant and the God of the, the New Covenant, which would, would be coming later, of course, He is able to satisfy your deepest needs. Money cannot do that. But, but this verse I read in First Timothy, people who want to get rich, what, what happens, son, is they, they watch these, these preachers, and these preachers touting their, you know, their, their jets that they're able to afford and their mansion and their you know, Rolls Royce and everything, and, and it appeals to... Um, man's natural desire, but it is not um, it is not increasing a person's love for Jesus. It is not increasing a person's spiritual growth. Um, the prosperity got, uh, preachers are peddling uh, a message that is profiting them some. I mean, very few, if any, of their hearers have a mansion or a Rolls Royce or a private jet. Okay, but the but but they set that out there in front of them. As, as kind of the dream, that, that you too can have this. And, Son, it, it is very tragic, very tragic how um, this so-called gospel fuels man's passion uh, to, uh, to be wealthy and, and to um, have the sorts of uh, extravagant possessions that these uh, faith preachers uh, prosperity preachers um, that that they have themselves. So there's a lot more I'm sure we'll say obviously on that here today in our in our visit. But yeah, that's just a little bit of of um, you know what the 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 so-called prosperity gospel is about and why it's so dangerous. 
Yeah, and Dan uh, Dan Delzell with us, kind of talking about the topic of prosperity gospel. And here, you know, we've talked in the past about different things, and we've talked about mission fields. You know, like for example, social media can be a mission field, and other places. And with these pastors wanting these planes, you would think that the plane or traveling air flights would be another mission field. I want to play a comment that really kind of got this ball rolling with uh, Kenneth Copeland. He's a guy out of Texas, and he's uh, he was an uh, understudy for Oral Roberts. And he became this uh, prosperity preacher. And this is what he said about why he needed a, a private jet, and a, a lavish jet, and, uh, and the reasons why he did not like to travel commercially. When I was flying for Oral Roberts, now Oral used to fly airlines. Right. But it, even back mm-hmm. there then, man, mm-hmm. it, it got to the place where it was agitating his spirit, sure. people coming up to him. He right. had become famous and they wanted him to pray for him and right. all that. You, you can't. You, you can't manage that today, right. the, this dope-filled world, right. and get in, an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right, that's exactly the And it, it's deadly. Now, I understand the aspect from a pastor's perspective that, you know, you're not always on and you need some downtime, but mm-hmm. to, to make reference, I mean, to, to try to explain that this is why you need something, and this is why you need a plane, and this is why, you know, people should, his ministry people should pay for it, and to go on and make a comment like that, that just seems to be taking an, a radical left turn of the gospel message of reaching others. I completely agree, Son, and it was obvious there in his comment that um, he, like the rest of his uh, fellow uh, prosperity preachers, they have to do anything they can to justify their extravagance. And, and, and so you notice how he threw in that little quip about, well, you know, uh, poor Oral Roberts, his, his spirit would be agitated, you know, with all those people around him. Now, now, now listen to the words of a true apostle. In fact, you know, the greatest apostle God ever raised up, you know, the apostle Paul, who wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. Now, son, you can't tell me his spirit, you know, at times wasn't agitated. Certainly his body was agitated. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. But the message of the prosperity preachers to justify their extravagance is that if you have enough faith, and and if enough people will send us 10 or $20 with the pipe dream that they, too, can be wealthy like us and, and, and... keep the wealth for themselves, largely, okay, um, then, then you can somehow avoid the hunger, the thirst, the rags, the brutal treatment, the homelessness that the Apostle Paul experienced. You see, these prosperity preachers are not preaching a, a biblical message at all, son. They are so far away from, from what the New Testament proclaims, even though they might sprinkle in you know, uh, some references to Jesus and so forth. Um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. And they talk mostly about money. And and if a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle Paul was, son, you do not tempt people with this uh, promise of worldly wealth. You do not tempt people by throwing uh, these extravagant possessions in their face and saying, look what faith can do for you. That has never been um, the gospel message. Um, As I said before, son, um, you could make a case under the Old Covenant um, that that there was a prosperity and, and blessings that were, were coming that you could even spend on yourself. In the New Testament, um, the focus is on, you know, give away as much as you can. There, there's never a teaching that you should try to spend it on yourself, um, largely. Uh, and, and the other thing, Son, is, 
you know, I wonder if these guys uh, would really like to live under the old covenant. You know, they, they take the part they like, okay? Um, but if they were under the old covenant completely, son, they would not yet have the gospel. They would not yet have a forgiveness through Christ. So it's kind of like, and it is such a diminishing of our Savior. It's, well, you know, Jesus, he's good. That's great what he did, you know, his death on the cross and all that. But let's talk about something, you know, that we can hang on to today that can, can make us wealthy, that can, that can benefit us in terms of our prosperity. And, and that was not the Apostle Paul's message. You think about all the, all the, the Christians around the world, son, who are suffering uh, under intense um, persecution in situations where, um, oh, if, if only they had just well, what the poorest people in America have today. And then imagine um, these guys, as they do, you know, they fly over to Africa with these jets that they claim they need. And what do they do? They preach the prosperity message there. And I'll tell you, it's ravaging Africa largely, Son. Uh, this message, I mean, and I, I know a mission leader very well from Africa. We've talked about this at length. And, uh, in fact, he's a, he's a refugee from South Sudan who ministers largely in Ethiopia. But my goodness, um, son, this is not good what they're doing. And, and it's hurting people, not just in America. It's hurting people in other parts of the world and especially in Africa today where, you know, who wouldn't want this, this pipe dream when, when you're living in the conditions that many are in Africa? But it is a false message. It is a false gospel. It is a dangerous mes- message. And it only fuels uh, the desires of the flesh for wealth. It does not increase a person's love for Jesus. In fact, it doesn't even lead people to Jesus in the first place. Also sounds like that these people are preying on the hopes uh, and the desperations of some people. Here's another guy that I just want to play a clip to give an example of. His name is Mike Murdoch. And he's talking about giving a $1,000 seed. And if you give this $1,000 seed, then God's going to open the heavens for you. And I don't know about you, but if I did not have $1,000 to give... I would become so desperate to try to find it, if I believe this, to give it to him, hoping that these blessings would come. But take a look at the clip. This is, this is kind of the thing that we're talking about that these, uh, these prosperity gospels people kind of prey on. Listen to this. Somebody's son is going to be set free from alcohol because of your $1,000 seed. Somebody is going to avoid a divorce because of the $1,000 seed. Some girl on drugs whose mama's been praying for her is going to be set free from drugs because of a thousand. And what I make happen for others, Ephesians 6, 8, God will make happen for me. And it's almost like, you know, you need to replace that thousand dollars with Jesus. You know, Jesus would be the one to save you. Jesus would be the one to rescue you from alcohol. Jesus would be the one. And so that's where people should be going is on their knees praying to Jesus, not offering up some guy some money. Well, that is exactly right, Son. And that um, that clip you just uh, played by Mike Murdoch is is uh, it is sickening to listen to. Um, you know, as I was listening to that, it reminded me of of what was going on 500 years ago in the days of the Reformation, and and Martin Luther, you know, came out strong against the indulgences that the Roman Catholic Church was selling to people uh, in order for their sins to be forgiven. So they were manipulating people, they were abusing people for their own financial gain. Um, the, the clip there from Mike Murdoch um, is, is something very similar to that. It is abusing people. It is telling people that if you send us this, this amount of money, and in this case a very large amount of money, um, you know, you can have whatever miracle you need, uh, the healing for your, 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 your daughter, um, the, uh, the, the new job, whatever it is. I tell you, it's, 
it's really unbelievable. You know, if we didn't have a clip like that to listen to, sign, you could hardly believe that someone would do that. But on the other hand, you know, there are always people willing to make a buck by saying whatever they need to say. In this particular case, um, these prosperity preachers, they're preying on people largely in the church. They're, they're preying on people who can't even really afford to send them $20, let alone $1,000, and they don't care. They don't care that they're preying on these people. They may have convinced themselves that it's going to help these people, just like certain faith healers convince themselves when they go up on the stage, all these people are going to be healed. But why do they have so few, so few documented cases of healings then? Why don't they go into the hospitals then if they truly have that gift? Why don't these um, you know, prosperity preachers bring people up on stage with them and say, you know, this person sent in $20 and God gave them $1,000, and guess what? Um, to show their faith, they put that $1,000 or at least most of it or much of it into ministry. No, because that's not what, what the prosperity preachers are offering. They're saying, give to get to keep. Give to get to keep. And, and so what happens is they give, and then uh, most of them find that you know, they're not really getting much from that, let alone being able to keep what they promised they were going to be able to keep. Because, my goodness, if this guy's got a private jet in a mansion, I mean, Lord, I don't need that much, but you know, how about half that much? I mean, it's all a pipe dream, but it is sickening. It is absolutely sickening, and it is abusive to see what goes on uh, under, the, under the name of, 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 of religion. Dan Delzell with us, talking about the prosperity gospel and how it's spreading across the globe. And really, America is kind of responsible for the spreading of this false, false theology, really, if you think about it. I want to play one more clip. Now, we, we heard Mike Murdoch talking about the $1,000, but here's Paula White, and she has varying degrees of giving. And the question I want to ask when you, after we play this is, um, does this mean that God's going to give varying degrees of rewards back, depending on how much we give? But uh, take a listen to uh, what Paula White had to say. To click on that donation button by minimizing the screen. And when you do to sow $1,144, it's not often I ask very specifically, but God has instructed me, and I want you to hear, this isn't for everyone, but this is for someone. When you sow that $1,144 based on John chapter 11, verse 44, I believe for resurrection life. Say, Pastor Paul, I just don't have that. Then sow $144. I, I, I don't have that. So $44. But stand on John chapter 11, verse 44. And when you do, there are prayer cloths that we have anointed, that we have prayed over, that are going to be a point of contact. Now, she mentions, you know, it's not for everybody, but last time I checked, Jesus and the gospel was for everybody. And there was no varying degrees of what we have to do to have Jesus in our lives. Well, that, that's right, Son, and, you know, uh, this seed sowing, as they often like to, uh, to promote, um, what it really turns into, Son, is this. I wish they would just come clean and say, you know, um, listener here on television or the radio or here in, in my audience today, I want you to sow your seed to fulfill my greed, because that's what's going on, Son. That's exactly what's going on. And to listen there to Paula White's manipulation there of people um, and, and then promising them, uh, you know, the, the answer that they desire, not by praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, please, you know, grant my request according to your will, if it be thy will. No, no, uh, we don't have to do that anymore, supposedly. Now you just have to send Paula, um, 
you know, $1,144. If you don't have that, hey, we'll take $144. If you don't have that, fine, $44. You know, it, this is, it's really unbelievable, son, um, that, that there are, um, that there are people out there who are, are, are willing to say this and then that there are people who don't see through, um, what, what they're doing. Because what these prosperity preachers really, um, claim to have is they claim to have a, a genie in a bottle. They, they claim that God, the God who created the world, the God who decides what he's going to do, the God who is not bound to any man at any time, that he's really a genie in a bottle. And if you say the right words, if you rub the lamp the right way, if you send a certain amount of money to our ministry, because after all, you know, the jet's on the tarmac and the, the fuel costs are rising. And, uh, you know, we got to get over there to Nigeria to promote our false message. So, um, it, it, you know, if you'll send that money in today, then you can have your miracle. And I'll tell you, son, it is the most disgusting and despicable message that is being promoted today. Uh, and um, it's just tragic to see how many people are being duped by um, these, these, uh, these promises of, of prosperity preachers who themselves are obviously consumed with greed because all they talk about, it seems, is money. Yeah, I want to play one more clip. We we started out talking about uh, Kenneth Copeland and making the comments about being on a plane with demons, and then Inside Edition got to him and asked him a couple questions. And it was kind of an interesting interview. If you want to see, you can go YouTube it or something like that. It's 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 quite interesting. But here was a comment when they asked one of the questions about the lavish planes and things like that. Here was his response, just so we can kind of close out this aspect of of this. Uh, uh, topic of the prosperity gospel, because then I want to move into some more of the real theology. So here's what Kenneth Copeland responded to on Inside Edition. It takes a lot of money to do what we do. We have brought over a hundred, let's see, this, the latest figures just came out, uh, 122 million people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another example. Last May, I was scheduled for Lagos, Nigeria. That's a long ways. I had a week off and I was scheduled for Peru. And I prayed about it and I thought, I'm not missing that dedication in Jerusalem without the airplane that we have that I bought from Tyler. Perry, and I didn't pay anywhere. And Tyler's one of the greatest guys. He made it. He made that airplane so cheap for me, I couldn't help but buy it. I love the justification there about it's so cheap I had to buy it. But here's the other thing. You know, I know, I know you know a lot of missionaries. I know a lot of missionaries. There's a lot of missionaries that struggle to get to where God wants them to go. It's it's a it's a journey. Um, there's yeah. people that you know struggle with the transportation, and it takes them a while to get there. That's what God has called them to do. And, and so anyways, when you hear something like that, it just kind of upsets the fact that there's other missionaries out there doing God's work and struggling to do it. And someone like Kenneth Copeland is there talking about how he needs this plane because he wants to go to Jerusalem. Well, that, that's exactly right, Son. And, you know, um, it, all, it all goes back uh, to, to them wanting money to be able to have their mansion to be able to have their private jet, to have all their trips and everything that they do, 
And then, you know, they'll sprinkle in a few what they like to call their little ministry trips. But what are they doing on their ministry trips, Vaughn? They're just promoting the prosperity message. Um, They are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how many people, you know, Kenneth Copeland may claim, you know, have come to the Lord, you know, through him, um, you know, that's between him and the Lord. I mean, I, I can't say that no one has come to the Lord through him, nor would I ever say that. You know, but but what is very clear, Son, is this. Um, when you go out and spread an unbiblical message that entices people to long for riches, okay, um, what you end up with is you, you, you end up producing people like that rich young man who came to Jesus, Son, in Matthew 19. And, you know, the first thing he said to the Lord was, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So... We have a lot of wrong ideas about uh, about the Lord and about uh, worldly wealth, and his, the, the, the biggest thing he had wrong was that he assumed he could do something to gain eternal life. He was not, um, he was not you know, sorry, uh, it doesn't seem at all for his sin, he was proud. And, and, and to prove that he was proud, um, Jesus did not give him the gospel there because he wasn't ready for the gospel. You notice there what Jesus gave him was the law. Because, uh, as it says in the Bible, the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. And that's what Jesus was, was doing here. He was giving this man an opportunity to be led to Christ by the law. And so Jesus uh, mentioned some of the commandments, you know, do not murder, do not uh, commit adultery, etc. This was intended to humble the man, and, and, and for the man to basically, you know, hopefully say to the Lord, but Lord, you know, I, I, I've broken your commandments, I'm imperfect. But no, that's not what he said. Uh, instead, instead, he told the Lord, well, all those I've kept, you know, since I was a boy. So he, he, he obviously was, he was self-righteous. In other words, he thought that his own righteous deeds uh, were what would earn him acceptance uh, into God's family. And, and then what's interesting is that, is that Jesus then laid this one on him. Um, if you want to be perfect, because this man assumed he was just, just about perfect already, Jesus said, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, you have to understand the context here, Psalm, because if a person just looked at that one verse, and, and they don't let Scripture interpret Scripture, which is a, which is a key principle of, of interpreting the Bible. You can't just pull out one verse and, and not read it in light of all of Scripture. Uh, but when you read that one verse in light of the rest of Scripture, Psalm, it's obvious that Jesus is not saying there that by selling all your possessions, you earn your way to heaven. That's not what he was doing at all, because the rest of Scripture makes it clear we cannot earn heaven. Um, Jesus gave his life on the cross. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away sins, not, you know, how much of your possessions you give away. But what he was doing here is he was, he was really hitting this man at the point of this man's greatest love. Because, see, Jesus knows all people. Jesus knew this man. Jesus knew that uh, in, in addition to his works righteousness, he was also talking to a man that day, son, who loved wealth. And, and remember what we read earlier, uh, where Jesus said, uh, you know, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, you know, Jesus gave him the law. The man didn't, didn't get the hint. He, he thought he was perfect. And now Jesus went really, in a sense, for the jugular. Okay, you know, um, let, let's go to where you're really steeped. In, in just false ideas, your wealth. And you know what happened when Jesus said that to him? And it just shows that this man was not serious at all about surrendering his life to the Lord. Uh, the prosperity preachers don't, don't preach a message of surrendering your life to the Lord. They want the wealth of this world. Oh, no, if we can tag Jesus on, great, you know, we'll do that as well. 
that's how this man, this rich young ruler, this rich young man, came to Jesus that day, son. He loved his wealth way too much to part with it. Uh, you know, and, and if you're going to take Jesus as your Savior, and this starts to get into what you said a moment ago, son, and, and I know we'll be, uh, as we talk here about kind of the theology underneath some of this stuff, um, you know, really what this man needed is, is he needed to humble himself and decide whether or not, do I really want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior? Do I want to treasure Him a million times more than anything in the world? And that's the key point, Son. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money, because on the throne of everyone's heart, Son, there is not room for both Jesus and a love for money. The prosperity preachers, um, you, you know what you don't hear them talking about? How much they love Jesus. The only sense in which you hear them talking about how much they love Jesus is, well, I love Jesus because he gave me this plane. I love Jesus because he gave me my mansion. I love Jesus because I get to travel around and do all this stuff, and I get these, these expensive cars because, by golly, I have enough faith. And, oh, you bet I love Jesus. He's my, they won't say this, but he's my genie in a bottle. I take him everywhere I go. He's fulfilled all my wishes and dreams, and if you send me 20 bucks, he'll do it for you. <laughs> what a scam. Well, here is, uh, and we're talking with Dan Delzell, columnist for the Christian Post. We're talking about the uh, dangers of the prosperity gospel. You mentioned, uh, you know, about the rich man getting into heaven. Here's what uh, the the uh, Inside Edition reporter actually asked him that question. Here's what Kenneth Copeland had to say about that. The Bible also says that it's more difficult for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle, correct? The rest of the scripture. But he said, all things are possible with God. And he said, if you study the, the Greek behind that, it's trusting in wealth. When he said that, his disciples said they were astonished out of measure because they were wealthy men. They were astonished out of measure saying, how can anyone be saved? He said, all things are possible. I have a, I have a question um, because I'm sure your study of the Bible is a lot more in depth than mine has been over the years. But um, to clarify, were the disciples, were they rich people? You know, we don't, we don't have any indication whatsoever, Son, that they were rich. You know, um, the Lord provided for their, for their needs. Um, they had uh, various means of, of uh, you know, just providing for the daily necessities of life. But there is no indication whatsoever that, that, that these were wealthy individuals that were traveling around. And, and uh, it, that's just not what we see in the Bible at all. Because you see, Son, they had, they had given their heart and their soul to Jesus, and they weren't focused on the things of this world. They weren't focused on, um, you know, the material possessions. You know, if I were to talk to um, Kenneth Copeland, there one question that I, I would certainly ask him is this. I, I would say, Mr. Copeland, now, um, let's take two individuals who both profess faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, okay? Um, individual number one has, has received, you know, millions of dollars through um, the work that they do, okay? Um, and they have, they have, they have spent millions and millions of dollars on their extravagant uh, possessions, uh, from their mansions to their jets to their expensive cars, in addition to other things that they do, okay? And then, and then I would say, Mr. Copeland, and then, and then you got uh, Christian number two, who has um, received millions and millions of dollars through whatever work they do, and they decided 
um, and, and were led to to give um, most of their uh, financial wealth away um, here in this life. Not not just when they died, but but you know here in this life they didn't just put it in their will, but they said, you know what, um, I'm not going to live at that high level of extravagance at all. I'm going to give most of this away to further the kingdom of God and to further the gospel message, the true gospel message. I would ask Mr. Copeland, now, you guys talk a lot about faith. In fact, one of your prosperity buddies, I believe the title of his ministry is even ever-increasing faith, okay? And you talk a lot about it. And, and, and so my question is this, Mr. Copeland, who has greater faith? The one who hoards all of that and spends it on extravagant wealth for themselves, or the one who gave it away? Who has the greater faith? I'd love to ask him that, Son. Because, you know, I don't know that that has ever crossed their mind, that while they're touting great faith, um, the proof is in the pudding. You know, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Am I saying that every rich person or every person who has, you know, nice material things that, you know, is not a believer? No, not at all. But but out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and, and so if a person, you know, the person talks about what they love, uh, and, and a person who has the Holy Spirit leading them, will not entice other people toward pornography, will not entice other people toward, um, uh, you know, alcohol addiction, uh, will not entice other people toward, you need to try that drug. And people who are filled with the Holy Spirit will not entice other people uh, toward riches, because the Bible talks about the cravings of sinful man and the lust of his eyes, and how it comes not from the Father but from the world. Jesus in Mark 4, son, talked about the deceitfulness of riches. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will never direct a person. Well, you need to try some of that pornography. You need to, you need to drink more. You, know, you need to have some more alcohol. You need to try that, that drug over there. Um, you, need to, you need to believe that God wants to make you rich. Um, you know, of, of the four things I just mentioned, son, perhaps the last one is the deadliest. Uh, and yet that is... That is the core of what the prosperity preachers are pushing. They're peddling. Um, you know, they're not drug dealers, but they are uh, wealth dealers, and they are promoting something that Jesus warned over and over about, but they don't seem to care because they've been blinded by the lust of their eyes. I mean, you watch these guys when they talk about their plane, their jet. I mean, they are so in love with their jet. I mean, you know, if they say a word about Jesus, it's only because they then want to talk about how he'll help you to get a jet. It's obvious what is fueling that passion. And it's very, very sad. It's very sad, very tragic, um, because people who are not grounded in the word get duped by these scam artists. And, they, and some of them, you know, end up, uh, basically trading in true spiritual maturity, trading in the true gospel for this uh, false gospel that is really no gospel at all. Dan Delzell with us, talking about the uh, dangers of the prosperity gospel. And two things come to mind when you're talking. Is first off, I remember when uh, a couple of years ago, Creflo Dollar was asking his uh, church, I guess, or his parishioners for $65 billion for this new luxury uh, jet and trying to justify that. And I'm thinking, you know, here in Los Angeles, we've got a huge homeless problem. We've got all kinds of problems, but a huge homeless problem. Imagine how much $65 billion could go towards housing those people. We've got, you know, all kinds of issues down on the border. We've got issues around the world. We've got people that are in some uh, 
pretty tough places doing ministry. I mean, you think about a $65 billion plane for one guy to travel the world versus $65 billion and the problems that that could solve when it comes to other ministries that are out there doing things. It's just unbelievable to think that, you know, when you compare and contrast the two. The other thing that comes well, to... It, it, oh, it really is, Son. And you know, the thing, I mean, one of the many things that blows a person away when you listen to these guys is that they do so seemingly without any shame for what they're doing. I mean, think about this, Son. Okay, let, let's just set aside the, the $65 million plane uh, for, for, for people who um, may say, well, you know what, I don't really want a plane, but I want X, Y, and Z. Okay, so what's the message that their Creflo Dollar and the Prosperity Preachers are promoting? They're promoting, if somehow God does bless you, let's just say with several million, what they're, what, what they're promoting by their own life is this. God has no issue if you want to um, get your own million-dollar toys. Um, it may not be a jet. You might not be able to afford one of those. You may not have thousands of people sending you 20 bucks like I do. But um, what they're promoting, Son, is that it's okay. Um, and then you can have your dream. And, and I'll tell you, son, uh, you know, under the old covenant, you might have been able to get away with that. But even then, you know, the focus would have been, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And certainly those possessions in the Old Testament um, must have at times come, and come in the way of that. But there's no question in the New Testament, you know, now that God has given us his son, now that he has placed the Holy Spirit within us, what, what just disrespect for Almighty God, that you claim to know. And, and, and the Bible says, if you know Him, or if you knew Him, the Holy Spirit would be in you, and yet you're going to talk more about something that, at most, you might have been able to get under the Old Covenant. That, that's what excites you? That's what you want other people to be thinking about? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, son. People talk about that person or that thing that they love the most. And so when you listen to the prosperity preachers, they tell on themselves. Uh, their actions tell on themselves. Their purchases tell on themselves. Everything they do, uh, it overflows right out of their heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, what, you, you know, what you use your funds for. I mean, are, you know, why don't, as you say, son, why not use that $65 million to feed the homeless in Los Angeles? Why not use all that money um, to, to help someone else? Why, why use it to get something that you don't need and that will only encourage people who follow you? It will only encourage them to dream their own dreams. Maybe not for a jet, but, but maybe for that $100,000 car. How about that one? And, that, and then you live for that? Are you kidding me? While souls are dying and going to hell, while people don't know the Lord? And, and more than that, while the Lord gave his only son on the cross, you, you have the audacity to be talking about that as a, as a so-called preacher, I mean, son, it's beyond sickening. It's beyond sickening. And, and what a tragedy for those who, get, who allow their hearts to, to um, be tempted in that direction. And, and I think it's worse than a preacher tempting followers with pornography, um, you know, heavy alcohol use, or drugs. It's worse than that because the effects are even worse than those things, as bad as those are for people. Um, it's even worse than that. You know, the other thing I'm reminded of, too, is uh, the story in the Bible about the, the widow's mites, where she gave, what, like two 
you know, basically all she yeah. had and it was very minimal, yeah. like two mites or something. And these rich men were yeah. given buckets of uh, bags full of money. And there was a, a significant, you know, compare and contrast. What are you giving? Are you giving because you have excess or you're giving because it doesn't affect you? It doesn't have an impact on you or are you giving because it hurts? That's all you've got. And you're trusting in God to take care of you for, you know, your needs and stuff. And so again, it's just kind of interesting how, you know, you've got, and I, I know, you know, people, I know people who believe this, they're, they're probably, and of course, anybody's faith is just between them and God, but yeah. they truly probably would be what I would call, you know, faith believing Jesus following Christians. Mm-hmm. And yet they still kind of believe this and they're kind of ensnared in this trap. And, and yeah. it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of scary to think that, you know, a gospel message that is, or I should say a perceived gospel message that is being yeah. put out there is really yeah. starting to deceive some of these truly Bible believing people and kind of sucking them into, you know, this snare, this trap that these people yeah. are putting out there. Well, that's right, son. And, and it's every bit as deadly as uh, some of the cults, uh, some of the cults that will, uh, you know, uh, they'll, they'll come knocking on your door. Uh, they'll, they'll claim to know Jesus, but they have imported their own definition of Jesus. Their so-called Jesus is not the second person of the Trinity. He's not the eternal God along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, he's a created being. Uh, he would be like God Jr. And, and, and so those, um, those cults, son, uh, are groups that do not have the gospel. They have another gospel. Um, those groups do not have a message that can save the soul, okay? Um, and I would compare the prosperity preachers to them as well. Who do the cults prey on? They prey on uh, the nominal Christians, whatever that term might mean, you know? So either somebody who, who's not yet in Christ, but they, they've got some religious background, church background, or they're, they're, they're just new, basically, to the faith, or they've never really grown in the Word. They're not grounded in the Word. And, and so I tell you, son, you, you put before a three-year-old, um, you know, a plate of vegetables, or a plate of candy, or sweets, and so forth. You know, um, when you tempt Christians who are not grounded in the Word with these things, in order to get their money? Oh my goodness, son. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? You're going to put this before them. You're going to promise you can have more of this. It's all you need. You can have more and more of this if you just give me some of your money. By the way, I'll reach into your back pocket. You enjoy that candy right there. You know, you enjoy that. Remember in um, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in the, uh, the film version of it there in, uh, in Narnia, you know, where the, uh, the white uh, witch there uh, was offering up the little, you know, the little treats there. You know, that's what Satan does. He offers you these little treats. Uh, and, and that was in Narnia. So that, that you know, the, the equivalent there would be for, for the Christian, the person who's entered through the door, Jesus, who's now born again, saved, justified, redeemed, and forgiven. And Satan comes along, well, hey, wouldn't you rather have this right now? And that's what the prosperity preachers are doing. They're being used by the enemy to offer sweets and treats to God's people, um, or to people who've not yet even yet come to believe the gospel. And it's doing, not only is it doing nothing, to help a person grow up in biblical faith, okay, um, it's actually setting them on a course of destruction, and and that's what I read earlier, son, uh, from from scripture, where you know people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves of many griefs. 
So the prosperity preachers don't care at all about that passage. They don't care if you're eager for money. In fact, they want you to be eager for money. They want you to be so eager for money that you'll reach into your pocket and send Paula White $1,144. Or you'll send Kenneth Copeland, you know, 50 Or if not, send 20 Because God will give you everything you want as long as you send your money to me. It is a perverted message, son, that is deadly. Dan Delzell with us, talking about the dangers of the prosperity gospel. And we've been talking about these preachers that uh, say, if you send in money, God will bestow blessings upon you according to uh, what you send in. I want to play a, 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 a soundbite from John Piper, and he brings up another perspective. And this is, when is Jesus enough? And this is what, uh, this is just a, a, a different a different slant. We're talking about the feel-good cash machine type Jesus. But here's something that would happen in someone's life. And is this when Jesus is really enough? Take a listen to this. I'll tell you what makes Jesus look beautiful. is when you smash your car and your little girl goes flying through the windshield and lands like dead on the street. And you say... Through the deepest possible pain, God is enough. God is enough. He is good. He will take care of us. He will satisfy us. He will get us through this. He is our treasure. Whom have I in heaven but you and on earth? There's nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart and my little girl may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That makes God look. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement there that he's talking about in, in deep tragedy to be able to look to God as being enough. You know, son, yeah, yes, indeed. You know, um, and, and I'll tell you, um, I mean, and John Piper has certainly helped a lot of people get grounded in the Word. Um, thank you for playing that clip. You know, one, one thing I might add to that particular clip, because, again, it, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, you, when we take a clip from anyone— um, you know, uh, I would I would add to that uh, perhaps this um, to use that example of someone flying out of the window. You know, when, when we talked son um, here a week ago, it was like right after this terrible accident in our community, where five teenage girls, uh, all you know, age uh, sixteen, I believe fifteen and sixteen, um, they were in a they were in an accident. And they they uh, went off the side, hit the guardrail. Um, car rolled down uh, the, uh, the hill there. It caught flames, and uh, four of the girls uh, perished there, and then uh, there was one, one survivor. Um, you know, I, I would say this, Son. Um, I'm not sure that maybe one, more than maybe one out of a thousand or one out of ten thousand or one out of a hundred thousand Christians, spirit-filled Christians, might say immediately there um, what John Piper said would, would, would glorify God. I'm not saying, I'm not disputing what he said. I'm not saying that eventually people don't, and Christians don't eventually, and some maybe very, very quickly would, would, would say, you know, um, would just begin giving praise to God even amidst that tragedy, and, 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 and that would be such an amazing statement of faith. But, but I would guess that maybe no more than one out of 10,000 Christians would find themselves going to that place immediately um, without first going through the shock, the grief, everything else that, that goes on with that. And that would be the only thing there with, with that clip. And again, I'm so glad you played it. 
Um, because even though, you know, and again, I mean, John Piper is such a solid Bible teacher, and he has helped thousands and thousands of people with the true gospel. You know, John Piper preaches the true gospel, not a false gospel, not the prosperity gospel. But I, I just feel led to share that with that example that he gave, an extreme example of your daughter flying out the window. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that, that more than one out of 10,000 Christians would there immediately say what, what, what he was saying. But, but I think there would be, you know, you know, many, 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 I mean, most, you know, certainly strong Christians would either fairly quickly get to that point where they're at least saying, my heart is broken. You know, my, my heart will always have that, that measure of, of some brokenness there. But, but I, you know, we're so thankful, you know, at least that our daughter is with the Lord. I mean, does that make sense? I, I just no. felt led to kind of throw that in there with that very extreme example that he gave. No, I completely agree with you. But what I found significant about that clip was when you compare it to, you know, the, the wealth of the prosperity gospel. I mean, anytime yeah. you have money and you're feeling good, Jesus is yeah. great and he's actually on the yeah. back burner. But when it comes yeah. to, you know, a time of tragedy and yes. then that's when you need Jesus the most. And so it's like when you compare the yes. two, it's like what yes. Jesus is going to benefit you. Do you want that Jesus that's going to be the cash machine for you? Or do you want that Jesus yeah. that's going to be there for you to pick you up and to carry you yeah. through those times of tragedy? But yeah, I'd agree with you too that you know immediately people aren't going to go to that. But I just thought the significance in comparing, contrasting oh, yeah. between the cash machine Jesus versus the Jesus that's going to be there, because no amount of money that you give to anybody is going to bring your daughter back after she goes flying through a windshield. But the well, Jesus well, that—that's that, exactly right. And, and I'm guessing that that was perhaps in the context of a message where he was doing what what I obviously have done in our interview here today, son, and that is, you know, uh, come out strongly against the prosperity uh, message. And so, in the context of probably what was a broader message. Um, you know, he gave that example, and uh, I just know that John Piper is such a faithful, uh, you know, Bible uh, preacher. Uh, by the way, son, this, this uh, leads us to another interesting topic sometime. You know, uh, John Piper is, is a strong Calvinist. Uh, I don't know that you and I have necessarily ever um, delved into that uh, whole um, kind of divide between the Calvinistic way of looking at things and, the, uh, and then Arminianism and then, you know, anything in between. Uh, but but what is the role of free will in salvation? I mean, so I think last time we talked, uh, you know, we just touched on the prosperity gospel. We landed here today, a fascinating, wonderful visit. But sometime, uh, that whole Calvinism, Arminianism, uh, free will, salvation, but it even goes deeper than that, Son, um, because I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'll just put this little teaser out there, okay? Um, the issue, Son, the issue that that many Christians, including myself, have with hardcore Calvinism, is that hardcore Calvinism ultimately says that, that, that God ordains everything that happens, including in that situation, you know, that little girl flying out the window, um, and that that, that that was God's, you know, that it was God's will. But even further back than that, you have to go back to the, you know, Garden of Eden or even Lucifer's fall. Hardcore Calvinism ultimately pins God as the ultimate reason for why some of these choices are made. And, and again, that, that would be an interesting discussion on why you have Christians who don't agree. They don't all agree by any stretch in terms of, while God is sovereign, um, does God cause everything to happen? Um, what do we mean when we say God allows certain things to happen? And I'll, I'll, I'll freely admit, son, I mean, like, take the example of the girl flying out the window. Uh, you know, terrible, like these girls right here in this community. I'll tell you what, what my sense was, son, 
my sense is that hell opened up and somehow was allowed to take those. Not, not, not saying that they went to hell. I mean, I, I hope they you know, knew the Lord. I mean, I don't know where they stand there. But what I'm saying is that did not seem to me to be an act of God, to have these young girls um, hit a guardrail, roll down the hill, bursting into flames, and the most horrific uh, death. To me, that seems more like the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. Now, ultimately, God allowed that. I don't understand that. I don't understand why. But, but I, I would never believe, personally, I don't think, that, 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 that I would ever be able to say God caused that to happen, or even to say God ordained that. And this gets into a realm of mystery, um, and I certainly don't have any more answers than most Christians probably on that, but it would be an interesting discussion. Yeah, I had a really good friend die in a car crash back in high school, and 30 years later, I still don't know why, so I don't think anybody's going to know why until we get to heaven and then right. those things will be answered. I want to play one more clip. It's Matt Chandler talking about just uh, following Jesus. And then after this, I want to kind of go into um, the real gospel and how people can trust that. So here's Matt Chandler. Following Jesus is not going to make you wealthy. Following Jesus does not guarantee that you're going to be healthy. The message of Scripture and the gospel of Christ is not that in following him, everything goes right, but that he is enough no matter what happens. That's the message of the gospel. Not that everything's going to be okay. And it's maddening to me that the prosperity gospel is so unbelievably popular among people who then have to completely disregard Scripture as well as Christian history. There again, just following up what John Piper said in that context of the prosperity gospel, Jesus is enough. Well, that's right, son. And I really like the way that Matt Chandler addressed that. Um, uh, I mean, for me personally, um, it, it's a more helpful clip um, than, than, than maybe, you know, maybe something as controversial, as emotional as, as you, know, you know, an accident where your daughter's flying out the window. I mean, I think what Matt Chandler, the way he said it there, I think, um, at least for me, is, is, is a little more helpful. Uh, I mean, and of course, John Piper believes everything Matt Chandler just said. You know, to, to the point that you know, following Jesus is not a guarantee that you're gonna you're gonna have you know great health or wealth. And so, this is the the biblical message that John Piper, Matt Chandler, uh, faithful Christians, be they Arminian, be they uh, Calvinists, you know, be they Baptists, be they you know faithful, let's say Presbyterians or Lutherans or Catholics. I mean, anybody who is born again, son, anybody who is born again, um, even though they may be part of a church. That, that has minor or major issues going on in it. Um, you know, my, uh, my brother-in-law was, was saved son years ago when he watched a Billy Graham crusade. And, and so, I mean, you know, faith comes from hearing the message. And, and Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of them who believe. And the prosperity message is, hey, we're not ashamed of the prosperity gospel because we believe um, it promotes worldly wealth. That is not the gospel. Um, Matt Chandler just nailed that, and and uh, along with him and and John Piper, you know, son, I know that you and I are are equally troubled uh, by this false prosperity message and, and all the problems that it brings to people. 
Dan Dozell with us. We've been talking about the dangers of the prosperity gospel. And Dan, I wonder if we could take this uh, final moment, if you can just share with us what the true gospel message is for people out there that might be listening that want to know. Well, thank you, Son. You know, the true gospel message, my friend, is that the God of the Old Covenant, who did reward his people uh, with, with great, uh, great health and, and financial prosperity in the Old Testament when they obeyed him, he is the God of the New Covenant. He is the God who, who loved the world so much that he sent his only Son, so that whoever believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior will have eternal life with God in heaven which is, uh, you know, a thousand times better than any scenario in this life, any number of private jets, boats, planes, mansions, I mean, whatever it might be. The, the, the true gospel is that we have sinned against God, including uh, our natural greed, including our lust for riches at times, including us giving into the deceitfulness uh, of, of wealth. But we've sinned, God, we've sinned in so many ways, and yet God loves us. And he gave us something a billion times greater than all the gold in all the world. He gave us his only son so that anyone can, can come to recognize that through the power of the Holy Spirit and place their faith in Jesus as they repent of their sin. You could do that today, my friend, as you just humble yourself before the Lord, acknowledge that you're a sinner, as we all are, and then receive Jesus as your Savior by faith. And, and, and just place your trust in Christ alone. Um, you know, whether you've been religious or not, that's not the point. And, and God's not asking you to be religious going forward. He is inviting you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, whereby you were born again on the front end through faith. You get the goods on the front end, not, 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 not the deceitfulness of wealth. You get the real goods, the, the spiritual riches. Uh, you, you get the forgiveness of your sins and the peace with God. You get that on the front end, and then you go out to live for the Lord, and he's not going to promise that your life will be any easier than the Apostle Paul, who he said, who Paul wrote to this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty, we are in rags, we are brutally treated, and we are homeless. This is what Matt Chandler was talking about a moment ago in that clip. Uh, what, what he was saying, my friend, is this. Don't think for a moment that by coming to Christ, it's going to make your life easier. Don't think for a moment, in, in this world, that is. Don't think for a moment that by trusting Christ, surrendering your life to Christ, accepting Him as your Savior, that now that's just the, the magic pill, and you've got your genie in a bottle. But you'll have something far better, my friend. You'll have the Lord and Savior of the universe with you, so that whatever you go through, and this goes to John Piper's point, even if it's something as terrible as a deadly car accident, even that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. Now, that's precious, my friend. That is precious. The God who, who loves you so much that he allowed himself to be sacrificed on the cross, and he rose again on the third day. This is the true gospel. And once you meet Jesus and begin a love relationship with Christ, okay, um, as your love for Christ grows, your love for the world and your love for worldly wealth will diminish diminish, diminish, and it will be Jesus, only Jesus, because only he will satisfy. And you'll know that, my friend, the minute you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. And to lay up your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not corrupt. Absolutely, son. 
Dan Delzell, thank you so much. Dangers of Prosperity Gospel, we appreciate your comments on it. We know it's a topic out there that's spreading globally and it's becoming problematic for a lot of people, this false doctrine of uh, Prosperity Gospel. And so we thank you for your your words and we thank you for uh, just sharing with us your, your thoughts on this and for bringing it up. Well, it's my pleasure, Son. Thank you for inviting me to do this and and just for this opportunity to have you and I talk about it, uh, because it is uh, something that so many people today uh, are coming under the influence of. And so to be able to, to visit with you, Son, about what the Bible really says about true riches is, is just a wonderful thing. Dan Delzell, thank you so much, and we'd like to thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless.